Please be advised, the Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. Hey, yo, it's Treasy. Hey, hey, this is Corey. It's Martin the Mailman. And I'm Young Leezy. And we're the Kind of Movie Critics, uh, back for a tantalizing episode <laughs> of content. Is, uh, is tantalizing the right word, Leezy? Sure, if you want it to be. Yeah. It's not the wrong word. It's I, a weird I, word. I always want it to be the right word. It's a you think it's a weird weird word? Weird word? A weird word? <laughs> weird. I mean, it's not one that I thought you was just gonna, you know, live up there, but it's cool. I'm trying to spice <laughs> up my vocabulary. I'm trying to get things right, you know what I'm saying? Like I got a bad ratio when it comes to using words. So I'm trying to uh I'm trying to fiddle with my vocabulary and and, and, and get a little <laughs> bit more precise with Fiddle my intents. Yeah, man. What's, you what, said you said something like twice on the you said it on our podcast and then you said it on Chandler's podcast. I want you to know that there's no such thing as pigeon held. Pigeon hole, like pigeon a hole, H O L E. I thought I think that you think it's pigeon hold, H O L D. I absolutely th- thought it was pigeon hold, H O L D. And instead of saying pigeon hold, E D, you say pigeon held. It's pigeon hold. <laughs> Hmm. And you've done this like three or four times on the podcast, and I yeah. just my spirit would not let me not tell you. Like stop. Man. I, w- I, I was to- I was today right years words. I was today years old when I found out that it's pigeon a hole and not hold. Was anybody Wait, else privy to that? I thought it was hold. Yeah. No, it's hold. No, it's it's hold, but it's not H O L D. People say you get pigeon hold H O L E D, not H O L D. See, oh. so I always like uh, associated it with like the talons of a pigeon. You know what I mean? <laughs> ah. like, once you're in the grasp of the pigeon, you cannot get out. You can totally get out of the grasp of a pigeon. It's not well, a falcon. <laughs> de- 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 depending on depending on the size of the animal, I, I presume. Yeah, it's, mm. pig- it's pigeon hole, pigeon oh. hold. Well, I think you've educated probably 85% of our listeners just now with that one. It's all good. So, on behalf I of appreci- them, thank you. I appreciate you being open to, you know. Me helping you out there. Yeah, man. Got got to got to want to get better. Well, uh, what's been happening in in uh film news since last time we spoke, guys? A lot of movies are coming out on streaming now. Yo, yeah. That what was that coming to America deal? How about that? Moving from Netflix to uh to Amazon, and Amazon bought it for like one hundred and twenty five million or something crazy like that. That's not wild to anybody else. I mean, it's wild in the fact that I'm probably going to have to freaking pay for it now. And I was just going to watch the shit on Netflix. So I feel feelings about it. But I mean, I'm sure I'm sure that, you know, Eddie's happy about whatever check he got. <laughs> right. That is uh, to me, that was like a, a a stop and like shake, like pinch myself. Like, wait a minute. You know, this this might be legitimately where we're going in terms of uh, film distribution, man. Just. Straight up streaming, straight up streaming, and, and See, high dollar deals happening. You don't and, think that they would have just put out coming to America on Amazon Prime? You think they'll charge us to watch it? Oh yeah, yes. absolutely. Okay, because yeah. people were definitely going to go to the theater to see that. Like that, that was going to make money. Yeah, they're they're going to do the Disney Plus Mulan thing, you know, where it's like still, you know, even with a subscription base, you still got to pay the thirty. Absolutely. Well, I mean, me and my friends share an account, and we had to. We went half on Antebellum. We can go half on Coming to America. It'll be fine. Only thing is, because you can only watch it for forty eight hours, so we'll just have to like coordinate. Like, what weekend can you watch this damn movie? Right. <laughs> Interesting. 
Which well, at the end of the day, I mean, if you're going to see it in the theater, you were going to watch it once in 48, you know, so. Yeah, but I was going to yeah. pay $7. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> valid. Valid. I mean, but, you know, when I take, when me and the Stace hit a movie, it, it's, it's $25, $30 cause she don't want to go on Sunday morning. So. Uh, y'all also don't go to where I go to watch the movies where it's always cheap. Yeah. yeah. So. But yeah, I I don't I'm I'm waiting for the next big cuz Mulan to me wasn't like a huge film and Coming to America is definitely a huge film but like not from a budget perspective. So I I'll be curious when the first like 200 million dollar movie is, is they give up and go go the streaming route like like we were talking about with James Bond the other day. So. Right. That, that that was exciting to me looking at that. Like, you know, the potential of James Bond coming to streaming. But then I, well, I also kind of got sad for the franchise. Another article said that, you know, I, I, right now it looks like it's not going to happen. But when it was, the talks were 600 million was what they wanted. 600 million? Do you think that's worth it? For what? I don't know. Bond? You know, for it's Bond, Bond yeah. but at the same time, you got to make I mean, that's how much they were make banking on making. Yeah, you, I mean, it would have done. You think Bond's gonna make a billion theaters? Skyfall made a billion. Could be, yeah. Skyfall made a billion. I didn't know that. Yeah. that, that Skyfall was a billion dollar film. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So like the the money's there, right? right. So six hundred million is probably them saying, "Look, this is the least we're trying to do, do right now." Yeah, right. that's like marketing plus actual shooting plus another two hundred million just for them to let it go. So that makes sense to me. Ooh, man, numbers like that, man. Who cares about uh, who cares about uh, you know, who cares about a theatrical release with numbers like that, man? Did you hear uh, Quibi just wasted like two billion? Yeah, right. R.I.P. Quibi solved could have solved world hunger. Shit. (laughs) I never saw one Quibi thing, so I don't. I have no clue if any of it was any even remotely good. Uh, I watched a few episodes of Punk. You know, they bought back Punk, and they had Chance the Rapper. It was it was pretty entertaining. I thought I I'm, thought it was good content for the Quibi platform. But I went on record in the chat, and I'm going to go on record here. When I, the only reason I knew what Quibi was ahead of its release is because the Nod Show um, became a Quibi program. Mm-hmm. And when I was like, oh, well, what is Quibi? I thought maybe it was like a streaming service that I could look at or what somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. So then when I looked to see what, what the model for it was, I was like, this will never freaking work. Right. Whose dumbass idea was this? And I was right. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw how much they were investing in it. And when you look at Twitter, everyone was like, yeah, this is what happens when you let boomers try to predict consumer behavior. Like, they don't yeah. know what will work. Yeah, the, I mean, the only thing to me wrong, well, two things. I mean, the paywall was dumb. Mm-hmm. That's just stupid. You get better content for free on YouTube. Um, and they could just they could have just put advertising on it. It's just dumb. Yeah, it's very pretentious. And then um, I, I think um, I think the whole idea of getting it to your, uh, you know, getting it to your actual television was was a pain in the ass. I, you know, I was able to do it because. I have an Apple phone and I was able to mirror it to my Apple TV. But, you know, that's not how, you know, we don't have trains and shit like that in Virginia, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? We don't have public transportation. Most like of that. the country doesn't, though. Exactly. That's the thing. So, <laughs> so you so want to mar- market like a streaming service to people who live in ma- major cities who probably aren't interested in this anyway. Yeah, they're not paying yeah. for that. 
They putting that money. My Instagram is way more. uh, Instagram is way better. Yeah. Snapchat. Everybody's doing this kind of content for free, man. So, yes. R.I.P. Quibi. Um, I think y'all. You know, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Is that that's his name, right? Jeffrey Katzenberg. Yeah, man. You could have. You could have put on a lot of creatives. You could have done a lot more with that two Billy, but. He actually did. Man, put on a man lot in of his sixties who has no idea what young yeah. people do. That's his name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, so I don't know if he put on a lot of like burgeoning creatives. He just gave a lot of people that already had names platforms, like Antoine Fuqua, and you know, other, you know, other big directors that are, were already big directing. He just kind of mm-hmm. like tried to like waft their credibility towards his platform. So I, yeah, I don't know how many like you know n- uh, burgeoning creatives that he put on. So. Um, but if you know any man, then I, I apologize. I was wrong. No, I thought um, they were giving like everybody a show by the end of it. <laughs> I, that's what I heard. That's what it seemed like. Yeah. Other than Brittany and Eric from the Nod, like no, I don't know anyone. Yeah. Um. So you know, with uh, the little bit of news in an eggshell, man. What uh, what have we been watching since last time we did our Lovecraft Country Part One episode? Have you guys stumbled upon um, anything that was pretty hard? Well. Um, you know it's it's gonna sound weird, but I just watched like QB Halloween yesterday. QB <laughs> Halloween? Yeah, that's the Adam Sandler movie. Oh, the new one. yeah, yeah, yeah. How was that? It's actually like better than like ninety five percent of his other Netflix movies. For some reason. <laughs> oh wow! It's it, I think it's on. It's not necessarily. It's closer to like on the level of like Waterboy and his like Happy Gilmore those movies where it's like actually funny. Oh. And there's like so many, so many cameos, so many like references to like old Adam, Adam Sandler stuff that it was like actually pretty enjoyable. And nice. it's also just, it's cool to see Steve Buscemi after doing like this amazing like prestige role, like Nucky Thompson, like start like scratching himself and biting stuff as a werewolf in like a crazy Adam Sandler movie. So, <laughs> yeah, I haven't man, seen, it's yeah, just I, funny I haven't to seen, see that. I haven't seen Steve Buscemi since, yeah, since Boardwalk Empire. That's he was person. really good in um what King of Staten Island. He plays like a um a fire chief. Nice. He used to be a fireman. Yeah, he was there on nine eleven. I think that's a yeah. cool fun fact. Mm-hmm. Nice, 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 nice. That's dope, man. So, so you said it's better than uh, most of his Netflix properties. Yeah, I think I think your daughter could probably watch it too. I don't think there's a lot of cursing in it either. No, I think it's meant to be family friendly. I think yeah. you're right. That's what's up, man. I might have to uh, put her on. That's probably something my wife would like, so yeah. uh, I'll put them onto it if they haven't already watched it because they 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 go through movies too. What, what about you, El Corey? Um, well, I I started The Wire, and I, I mentioned that last podcast. I'm on season three right now, as I've been texting you and uh, Julian uh, quite a bit <laughs> about that. Um. Shout so that's been fun. That's been exciting to watch. Uh, just been moving through it yeah. and seeing how uh, all y'all talked hella trash about season two. So just been trying to, you know, I'm a, I'm a late I'm a late comer to the game. So it's okay. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And then uh, watching Fargo. Been enjoying Fargo with you. Yeah, so Fargo's that um, shit. yeah, Fargo this season so far is really dope. Has a lot of really interesting uh, turns. So I'm just really excited to see where that goes. Mm. So, okay. Well, back to the wire, real quick, man. You know, season two, 
Uh, it's not that I talk shit about it now, you know, after seeing the entire scope of the whole show, it's season two really makes sense. So that's what everyone's kind of saying to skills said that too. He was like, he's like, he's like, it's the worst, but it's not, it makes sense in the end. I'm like, okay, well, all right guys. He's got to stick with it. But I'm just wondering what was the logic behind it? Because I could see that being very shocking to audiences back then. It was. You know, it was. Like, <laughs> it was? Okay. Yeah. I was like, yo, I could see this pissing people off. Like they basically took the Barksdales and they took a back seat, which is fine. I mean, you know, shows do that from time to time and, you know, they they move things around a little bit, but at the, I, I could see that being very kind of like jarring to the audience back then. Yeah, it is. But it, it, it makes sense in the wash because it just, I think it helped just paint the narrative of the scale of the drug trade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, if you, you just would have made it about the Barksdales, uh, it kind of looks man. like a, just a small problem. You know what I mean? Man, I'll be honest, man. Every I, I hated him so much. Ziggy, I wanted to punch him through the TV, man. <laughs> yeah, Yo, man. Ziggy made me so... Every time I saw him, I was angry. I was visibly... Like, I, yo, he just, he just wanted to be great so bad and... He wouldn't listen to nobody, man. Yeah, <laughs> so. man. Wild boy, that Ziggy. Yeah, wild. Wild boy. So. What about you, Lizzie? What you into? So last night, me and a group of fellow Hampton alumni had like a little kickback situation, and we watched Borat. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what, the original uh, yeah. joint? Or no, is it the, the new one's out, just right? came out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know where they distributed that. So I, I, I it's on, What? where is it on now? It's on Amazon. It's, it's, it's free on Amazon. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have to watch. I thought that was going to be distributed differently, so I'll have to go watch that. So, nah, I mean, there's obviously some over-the-top gross-out humor in there, and, you know, he's just being funny. I really like the ending. Um, Obviously, mm. I won't spoil that for anybody, but, bruh. Sasha Baron Cohen is a fool, and the fact that, like, people don't know that it's him still <laughs> yeah. is kind of like well i mean he he came up with a clever way because um obviously everyone knows who's who's Bor- who borat is and so like you know he kind of makes mention of that in the movie you see him walking down the street and everybody's like stopping and harassing him <laughs> but um <laughs> it's like you know he comes up with a way to to explain why he's why borat is now dressing like in in disguises so that people don't recognize him, but oh my god, like I would—he's a fool. I will say this though, boy, I got everybody looking crazy except for black women. Shout out to him for that. Oh. The black woman character in the movie is the only one who isn't like dumb as hell. Right? <laughs> so. is it, was it wasn't Lunell in the first one? Didn't he have like the was? It, yeah, I think she was in the first Borat. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. he had her looking but, crazy in the first Borat though. What is what even with boy? I don't know. I guess because I watched the Ali G show on HBO, like the six, the progression of like the characters that he's released, with the exception of like the dictator, because he wasn't an original character on that show. Mm-hmm. I mean, but like the dictator, that's just Sasha Baron Cohen. Like, I, I don't. That's you know, right? I don't know how someone looks at him and doesn't see see him. Yeah, I, it's weird. Um, but like, you know, allergy and then like, okay, Borat came out and then I was like, oh, I guess Bruno will be next and that's exactly what he did. Right. And I'm like, y'all know, none of y'all saw this show. It's weird. But anyway. Yeah. The show was funny. Um 
Don't believe these headlines about Rudy Giuliani. He's definitely in a, a compromising situation, but he he's not being as perverted as the news media would have y'all believe. I think they're just doing that so you'll watch the movie. I mean, it definitely, I was waiting for that part to see what actually yeah. happened. I mean, something happens. Don't get me wrong, but it's not, I'm not like judging him super harshly. He's still yeah. very disturbing to look at in a gross old man, but. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it makes sense in, in this political climate that we're in. Um, that it would get, you know, it would, it makes, it's just like two birds, one stone, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's good advertisement for the film. And then it just kind of, in it, you know, inconsequentially, like, uh, just, you know, kind of waft some heat towards the Republican party. I like, the no, it's, there's lots of things that they do to try to like play Republicans. Like, yeah. He just, it's, he it's just, just doesn't, he, he only, he just doesn't play the black woman. Like, that's dope. <laughs> and and to be fair, there is no black man. So <laughs> Got it. It's funny to me just how Rudy Giuliani is kind of blaming this on like Joe Biden though. <laughs> like, like this is yeah. some, <laughs> some wild diabolical scheme that Joe Biden came up with to to smear his name. That's funny to there, me. That's very interesting. It yeah. clearly was Sasha himself, but like um I, I and I, I wonder if like Giuliani actually watched the movie. The movie's funny. I yeah. mean and he like the stuff, the gross stuff. He kind of gets gets out of the way in the second act, so right. It's not like disgusting after that, but it, trust me, like I definitely was, I was crying laughing a couple times. Yeah, the first one had me in tears, so I can only imagine. That's dope, man. Um, you know, uh, obviously, well, I mean, we're gonna talk about it. You know, Lovecraft uh, Country went off, so. There's been a huge void. Um, I picked up me, my wife and I picked up Ratchet. We were watching that. I don't I don't know if I mentioned that last time because um, we had been watching it since last time. But we're watching it very, very slow. Ratchet is pretty cool. It looks like American Horror Story pretty much on Netflix. You know, um, it's Ryan that's what Murphy, it looked like to so. me. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> and pretty I'm, I'm so done with American Horror Story. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I didn't really watch. I watch maybe like part of one season of one, so I'm not like burnt out from it, but it's very clear. It's just that look moved over to Netflix and that feel it's a, it's an entertaining show. I mean, I think everybody's uh, doing their thing and they're really acting and I, you know, I love Sarah Paulson. Um, did you watch a, um, one flew over the cuckoo's nest? Yeah. Years ago. I, so, I, I did. Yeah. And that's why I, I'm just kind of like, they doing too much. Yeah. Isn't it? So her character is like a derivative of that film, right? Right. I think it's the same character. Yeah. Same it's supposed like to be that. the same yeah. person. Yeah. I haven't seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest probably since like early 2000s. So it's um, on Netflix right now. Yeah. I, I saw that and I, I, I realized like all oh, the correlation. You know, the people that put these, you know, you know, put this content together is like, hey, since we got this, we might as well throw this in there too. That's, you know, pretty smart. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a formula that works very well. Um, But really what I want to talk about was a movie I went back to. A Martin Scorsese movie that nobody talks about, but it is one of my favorite Martin Scorsese movies. And I, I rewatched it for the first time in probably like 10 years. But uh, Color of Money with Paul Newman and Tom Cruise. Color, mm, oh, I've man, never seen it. Amazing film. It's 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 uh, it's actually a sequel to The Hustler, which was, uh, I think, uh, a Paul Newman film for the 60s. But basically, he's like a pool shark. You know, uh, uh, in The Hustler, he's a pool shark. And, you know, it's kind of about that whole circuit of like underground uh pool halls and gambling and all that stuff. So part 2 is Paul Newman's way older. He's now like a liquor salesman and um he comes across Tom Cruise and you know uh he's like this very, you know, Tom Cruise arrogant, very arrogant like 
amazing pool player and he decides to back him and take him around the world to like uh to to like you know get his chops up and and teach him how to like how to make himself valuable in the pool space uh to be valuable or to win like a lot of money in this tournament in Atlantic City is really good man and and it's a Martin Scorsese film from I want to say like 86 so it was early Tom Cruise and you can tell it was very early Tom Cruise but he kills it, man. You can see his, you can see the star power in Tom uh, in that film. And then, of course, you know, Paul Newman always delivers. Forrest Whitaker has an amazing cameo in that film. Um, oh, wow. So, He's probably young as hell. Very young. Wow. Very wow. young. But he has a, a great, great cameo in that film. It's, it's, that, it's really one of the most, like, nobody talks about that Martin Scorsese film. But it's, it's really a, a, a good one with one of the biggest stars on the planet. So um that's it for me man y'all ready to get into this lcc let's do it yeah lovecraft yeah. country man well um if you guys haven't you know uh caught up with our part one we did episodes one through five uh kind of a halftime check in lovecraft country and uh obviously this is the conclusion to that where uh you know lovecraft country is now gone off season finale wrapped up to me one of the one of the best shows that I've seen in a long time, man. Where did, did you guys, did, did your opinion about this show change any in the last uh, five episodes, Martin? Cause I know you were kind well, of lukewarm on it. Well, um, I want, I want to read a quote real quick if, if that's okay. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's from the New York times. All right. Um, it's not necessarily my opinion, but I, I'm going to just say it real quick. Um, but this conclusion serves to limit the agency of its black heroes. They spend 10 episodes being manipulated behind the scenes by white people with magic and at every chance opt to use the same means used against them to fight back. They lack the imagination to do anything other than repeat the actions of their enemies. The ultimate irony at the end is that what these characters achieve is literal magical Negro status, a final embrace of stereotypes from a show that aspires to upend them. Though Lovecraft Country has every flavor of creaturely nightmares, its biggest horror is the way it misuses historical woes and seems to bl- seems blind to its own perpetuation of damaging tropes. Yo, who Jesus wrote that, Christ! Uh, if you go, yeah, who wrote that? Please give me that. <laughs> um, let me that. see. It's a critic on the New York Times. Right. I, I, I just want to give him his name. proper fuck you in his name. <laughs> yeah. So um, while he's looking oh, for my, that, it's a it's a woman named Maya Phillips. Oh, Maya Phillips. Okay. Well, uh yeah. I would say go fuck yourself personally. I appreciate <laughs> the, the op-ed, but uh go fuck yourself. Um that's a direct quote, you know, from <laughs> Treasy here. Um yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's a very shallow analysis of uh of this show. I think it's a very unfair, shallow analysis of this show personally, but of course everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Um, but it, that quote stuck with you, Martin. So that, le- that leads me to believe that, uh, you know, people see what they're, uh, <laughs> people see what they're in tune with. So that, that leads me to believe that that's how you feel about the show to some degree. No, I'm not that, I'm not nearly that harsh on it, but I understand like if you go through the article, you could, you could, you could kind of understand like what she's saying. Right about the show like where it's more um there's less meaning because the way they use a lot of this uh a lot of these references and tragedy isn't necessarily well done it's more of like a see i did this thing like i guess the the best example is um 
the woman I forgot her name when uh Hippolyta has her episode and she's driving down the um she's di- driving down the road and there's a black woman on a motorcycle uh-huh. like they put that in there because people didn't know who this woman was I forgot her, her exact name but she was a woman she was a black woman on a motorcycle she was like one of the first to uh, just travel the country, country. first mm-hmm. black woman yeah right across ride country cross country but it when you watch the scene it's kind of weird because it's like they just take a minute or two just to watch just for this scene to play out and if you don't know the significance of that scene it kind of takes you out of the story or it's nonsensical so uh i don't agree i don't agree with that at all and in in, in the words of the great pusha t i'll say if you know you know if you know (laughs) you know and if you don't know and you're curious about it I think that I think that people who did pick up on it shared that on social media and way more people now know about this black woman existing than knew go. about it before. And it doesn't take me out of the story, Martin, because I mean, I'll speak on behalf of black women because I'm the only one here right now. But okay. like black women do shit like that all the time. That's not it's not. If I, I we stop and acknowledge each other all the time over way less like. Right. Yeah. It's like you can have on some banging shoes, and I'm just like, let me make, let me, let me make sure she knows she's doing. Yeah, she's doing it, yeah. Yeah, like it doesn't even matter. Like yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, like, yeah, that's that's I, I'm, I'm totally with Lizzie on this. Obviously, I'm picking the side of a black woman on when you're talking about two black. <laughs> yeah, but, Smart. but I, but I agree wholeheartedly. Like it, it didn't take me out of the story, and as a matter of fact, I'm grateful and indebted to uh, Lovecraft Country for bringing light to. A historical figure that I would have never known about, you know, no other, there's no other properties out there that are addressing these things. So from that perspective, um, you know, us getting a chance to, to really, uh, you know, revel over some of our own heroes, I think it's, uh, or people that, you know, have contributed to the fabric of America and American history. It's important to me personally, because otherwise where, where would I get that information from? So that's my take Um on that. I mean, I, I, I think that, um, and then too, like, she's basically signaling that I guess the, the Tulsa portions of the show is like tragedy porn. There's so much disconnection between like black pain and trauma and violence that has been inflicted upon us. Um, so like even in Watchmen, we got maybe like what? a minute and a half of Tulsa massacre. Like obviously there's reference to references to it all throughout the show, but to see firsthand what a person was enduring during that, during that event, um, to me is so much more meaningful than someone telling me about it. And it's so much more impactful. And if it makes me sad for a second, like that's okay. Um, I also understand someone not wanting to see that. It's your choice to turn the television off. You know what I mean? But like, just because something is sensitive to you doesn't mean that the images shouldn't necessarily exist. And I'm glad that they exist because I don't think that people, um, I don't think that people fully realize how disturbing and awful these things were. You understand what I'm saying? Like, um, and seeing it, gives it a different meaning for me. I have, it, it, it gives me a different feeling for the people who um, endured it. I mean, and I don't know if that's true for y'all or not, but like, I don't know. It's just like, you know, I know the story of the four little girls in the, in the church bombing. Right. Right. Um, I sat and watched the four little girls documentary 
um, for several hours and was never like as emotionally moved as I was at the beginning of Selma, like seeing them get blown up and just yeah. crying with my eyes out. And like even watching this and, and watching Letty with uh, Tick's ancestor there, just experiencing that, it did something to me emotionally and I felt connected to those people in that moment. So I think that that kind of imagery is definitely important. And, you know, this whole the idea of reducing any depiction of violence against Black people to, like, tragedy porn is unfair because I think this imagery is important. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I mean, there's a huge, there's a huge uh, chasm between what you imagine and what actually happened. And, um, and, and so I, I agree for, for that reason is, you know, uh, sometimes it's just for me, it's, it's, yeah, it's just eye opening to see a visual interpretation of what this really is or re- what this really was, um, to really shake your spirit up, man. And, and give you some sort of call to action. I mean, for me, that's what it does. Like, you know, just kind of repurposes, uh, my my specific purpose in life, you know, sort of refocuses it, recenters it. So, um, yeah, I don't, you know, terms like tragedy porn. Um, it's it's hard for me to really grasp what that really means in this particular case. You know, we, I mean, it's it, you watch Braveheart, it's tragedy porn. You know, like by that definition, you know what I mean. Like every other space seems like it's okay, uh, or they just call it like. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think the the distinction between Braveheart is like this is like an African American media. This is a this is a African American film where there's like films over like I don't know the last maybe seventy years of us being like tortured, us being raped, us being beaten, us being enslaved. Whereas like the Scottish, they don't really I don't really necessarily know that they have that in the same way it's not looked at in the same way like you kind of expect something horrible to happen to us in in a horror movie i think lovecraft country like the book is kind of trying to subvert that whereas like spoiler alert like all the black people pretty much win Mm. um similar to this but i i think that's what they're getting at is like tragedy porn as it relates to black people is kind of a different thing than you would call something like um that Scottish movie, I forgot what you just said. Brave Braveheart is way different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fair I point. Mean, and and I, there's and, a history and, there. And, and I mean, and to and to Martin's point too, like in Scottish people watching Braveheart, there's not a denial of their history there. They accept that as part of their history. Whereas yeah. when you frame it through this lens, like this part of our history has not been highlighted. Um, nearly enough that people are aware of like what that looked like during that time period and yeah. how long ago or how, how not so long ago these things were happening. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a fan of saying that like um, images images of violence against us that are like historical images of us should not exist. I think that it's important to have those depictions because people treat them like fantasy, like it didn't happen. Like, right. I agree. Real quick tone shift and on a little bit of a lighter note, I mentioned it last episode. I didn't have the vocabulary, obviously, because I, I, I didn't know what was going to transpire in the entire framework of the show. But I said it, man, the very beginning dream sequence, it had it, the, 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 
the very beginning dream sequence was equivalent to Saw when 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 dude woke up and was like the key for those handcuffs was in that bathtub mm-hmm. and like you know it 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 it, it uh got pulled Gone in the dream. the dream yeah mm-hmm. so it's like the answer to everything was at the beginning and and you know on my rewatch of watching the first episode and I started seeing certain things unfold and yeah they pretty much covered everything from that dream sequence in their own you know, very nuanced way. And I thought that was pretty cool. I, I thought that the, it was a very dope touch, you know, as Tick being that, you know, Jackie Robinson figure that came through and split, you know, racism in half, split that monster racism in half with the bat. I thought that was a very dope touch, man. They were on their Back to the Future in that episode. Uh, Back to the well, Future Well, I agree shoot. with you. I thought, and I think like now having the complete story, like, the idea that like he was looking for someone else to be his hero when the person that he was imagining would save him was actually him. Right. That was really dope, man. That was I, I really liked the way they intertwined they intertwined that. So I just wanted to get my flowers. I'll insert applause right here. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to get my flowers from the crowd that uh Treasy added something. Treasy figured out a clue, you know. Like, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, even oh. even more to that, I, I, yeah, that I didn't really like the scene at first because I was like, it's a lot going on. But yeah, they they lay out the entire series, even to the point of like, he's basically like playing like in that dream sequence, he's basically playing an analog for John Carter of Mars. And John Carter of Mars is like this problematic hero because, of course, he's this hero in these books or whatever. But he's also a Confederate soldier in the same way Atticus is kind of the hero of this story. But like he does horrible things throughout the story. Yeah, and yeah, he's not like a hundred percent like a clean person. So I I thought that was like really great. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yo, uh, so so we did one through five, right? But then we, when we released it, um, episode six had already kind of come out. Man, meet me in Daegu. I I can't tell y'all how much I love that episode. It, it, uh, I thought you know that tone shift of like um, Atticus being pretty much like somewhat of a antagonist somewhat of a bad guy you know i thought that was such a cool like shift in gear for uh the character arc of our, our of our protagonist man what how did y'all feel about episode six i really that was the one where uh ruby was becoming white correct no, no that's that, that the was one the one in north south korea in south korea oh okay this so six was the south korea and seven was the yeah. Ruby being white. Right, right, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Well, I Wait. thought those two episodes were some of the best TV I've seen in a long time. So, mm. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's what made a, it compelling for you. I was about to say that's such a hefty conclusion, Corey. Tell um, us more. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you know, I think that the it embodied uh, so far. This, I have a love hate with the whole the show. Not a hate, but I have a love meh with the show as as a whole. <laughs> but I felt like the concept was that you know everybody's getting their own episode, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt like those two, in it for me, it seemed like they embodied their character the most. Mm-hmm. You know, it it embraced what those characters were doing in the show, like everything that was kind of going on with them. It was compressed into one episode, and I felt it was the most effective with those two characters. So it, it, I wish that they had kind of embodied that concept a lot more. Like I felt like other episodes where they try to do the whole, where this person gets an episode, 
it was kind of loose and a little bit more sloppier, but those were really tight. And they were pretty much about those two characters. Like right. they didn't deviate from the concept. So they own their they own their own concept. And I felt like the episodes that they did that, you got the best episodes. Mm. So I see what you're saying. I don't necessarily agree that um, it wasn't executed well in other episodes. I definitely um, loved the Jigabobo episode. That's the one that everybody's terrified of um, because of Topsy and Bobsy. But my best friend pointed out to me um, that what was really cool about those ep- that episode was like the narrative was telling you a story and then the um the allegory <laughs> <laughs> um was telling you a story and both of those things are very scary so uh not an original thought but something that he shared with me is that like um she has this encounter with the police and they curse her and then literally she is running from stereotypes about herself as a dangerous angry black woman mhm uh, yeah, yeah, it's. It, I didn't pick up on that until I listened to the Lovecraft Radio episode, uh, podcast episode, which is an amazing companion piece to the show. If you don't know about it, uh, Lovecraft Country Radio, I believe it's called. But yeah, I thought that was. I thought that was interesting. This show does that very well to me. This show, this show messages and 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 it's it's like a constant parallel of messaging and and allegory you know yeah for every single episode you know they mm-hmm. they all progress the storyline but they all have their own you know uh selfish you know reasons within that own episode that their own clarity uh but they all run parallel you know you never feel like you get dropped off at an intersection and you're left behind and you got to transfer to another bus to catch up it's like it's it's all there no big deal let's keep it moving um, and, and, and that's what I appreciated about the show so much is that the, the messaging wasn't, you know, you didn't sacrifice the, the journey from, through the messaging. And, um, I found myself saying that to people a lot, like, yeah, there's a lot of messages, but you know, if you're just in it for the journey, that's also, mm-hmm. it holds up, you know, um, uh, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm aware that this, on this show, we've kind of built a sensitivity to the underlayment of what the is actually happening. Um, and sometimes I get, I, I start to look at things through that lens. Like if I can't pick up on the message, maybe it wasn't good. And it's like, no, nah, this kind of showed me that they're both very important when it comes to entertainment, you know, uh, having a purpose, but also having fun. Um, I think it's important for um, any social commentary, like art that depicts social commentary to be able to do that. You, you're, everybody's not going to pick up on the messaging, but you do still want it to be enjoyable to people who are not, you know, viewing it through that lens, as you said. So mm-hmm. I think that they did a good job of that. Um, but I do think it is more enjoyable if you can, because yeah. <laughs> um, you feel, I think, much more affected by it. Yeah. And Go- that's, that's Go- I think, the goal that Misha has for us. Right. Well, she she bodied that, man. Misha, like you bodied that. But going back to you know the uh, the the Topsy and Bobsy episode, man. I was I had it. I was uncomfortable that entire episode, man. Like you, <laughs> man. It, that was it was horrifying, man. Um, and and I didn't quite have the language to explain it, but uh, it was just it was a very unnerving, uneasy feeling. And it's back to that what you were talking about, you know, imagining that space of imagining something and then the visual representation of what segregated Chicago really looked like and what it looks like for a kid of a certain age, um, in a certain, you know, sense sensibility. 
to their environment, man. It's, it's got to be a very, very, very scary thing on top of, you know, you guys talked about it last episode. Martin, I think you brought it up, the whole Emmett Teal thing. Um, you know, I love how they tied that in. I didn't, I didn't, you know, when you brought it up, I thought it was just kind of like the whole, the lady on the motorcycle bike where it's like, is there, if you catch it, you catch it. But for them to sort of bring it back into episode eight, I think it was, Jiggle Bobo, uh, mm-hmm. for them to bring it into it and sort of like make it a, a plot point to some degree. I thought that was just a very interesting choice. So much meticulous care went into crafting this show. And, and I seeing it now in Lovecraft country, it makes me almost notice when other shows don't do it. And I, I have this very huge, like there's a very huge void where it's like my wife and I are trying to find a show right now to sort of fill the void of Lovecraft. But you know, we might have that that thing might have stretched that the mental shoe, man, <laughs> like the proverbial mental shoe. And I don't know if there's anything that can fill that void for, you know, what we were watching it for. But th- that's me giving it high praise. And I, I know I I don't know how many people really give it high praise on the other end of this microphone. You know what I mean? Um, When you say you have a love man relationship w- with the show, can you expand um, on that one, Corey? Yeah. So I, I, I really like the show, um, but. It, I felt like it – so for me, I kind of compared it to Get Out and Us. Like mm. I feel like Get Out is a masterfully constructed film that has messaging and story all playing together in a balance that makes sense and you know can be watched from different angles, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Us, I felt like – the balance was shifted. And when you focus too much on messaging, I think the story can suffer. But if you focus too much on the story, then the messaging suffers. You know what I mean? Right. And that's how I felt like about this. Like there were some episodes for Lovecraft that I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is so well crafted. And this is pushing messaging and story forward at the same time. But then there were other aspects of it that I felt like I was like, where are you going with this? And I think you're going too hard and you're neglecting other things, right. you know, like uh, and other other parts of the story were rushed and then other parts of the story were languished. So it goes back to like how episode two, like I talked about how like that was just too much going on. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I felt like in other episodes there were similar moments. And so it just felt like an unbalance at times. And I mean, that's just me being hyper, hyper critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were some times I was just, I would, I would end an episode and just be very lost as to what the show is trying to do, both from a story and a messaging perspective. Mm. So, so uh, upon the season finale, did you have any like strands that were untied? Like, was there anything that was untied for you? Um, a little bit. Um, I felt like the story with the Asian woman, I, I felt like that didn't really come to a strong finish. Um, okay. I felt like she, you know, it, they made her into like a, like a little uh, a Marvel sidekick, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like it was like, all right, we had, a, we had our adventure and now you got to come together and, and help. Like, I don't know. Like I was just, I, I didn't understand it. I was like, what well, is she the sidekick now? Like, Well, she's- I think that... The, all of, with the exception of his mother, like all of the people that Tick loved most, who were who were still alive, were there when he died. Mm. Um, yeah. The people most important to him, he was surrounded by, mm. um, including yeah. her. So um, I think that's why she was there. I don't disagree with you that 
like, you know, she all of a sudden turned into a guardian of the galaxy. She definitely fucking did. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I, you know, I understand why she was there. Yeah. Um, I, you know, so, I mean, there's just, and then after a while, I started forgetting what even Christina was going after. Like, I, like, I hit up Martin and I was like, yo, why? What, why didn't they just leave the area? <laughs> like, it, you know what I mean? Like, why you just get in the car and go somewhere else? You know, like, Christina is like this villain, but she just walks around Main Street like it's nothing. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I started to lose sight of what all the characters were trying to do. Like, what was the objective of Christina? And I almost was thinking, like, yo, Tick, like, you, it sounds like you're walking right into this. You know, like, you're just going to walk right into it. And I didn't really understand why. Mm. So, you I'll know. Say some stuff kind of doesn't make sense because it's just, like, the the um trope of, like, magic is they, they kind of explain away some stuff a lot of times. Like, what was weird to me, I might be nitpicking, but you remember the scene in episode, I think, three? Where Tick um, confronts Christina and he tries to shoot her. Tries to shoot her, yeah. Yeah. But he can't shoot her, right? Right. She has the same protection. She has the same mark as um as Letty. Letty. Mm-hmm. But the cops can shoot at Letty. The bullets just pass around her. So Tick should have been able to shoot at her and the bullet just pass around her. It's just certain stuff in this show where like they their um their level of magic, like what magic could do kind of varies in a way that doesn't always that doesn't always tell me like their actual rules to the show. It's just kind of like whatever they needed to do. And I, I don't necessarily think that's good storytelling, or at least yeah. for that genre, for that the structure of that genre. I don't necessarily think it's that good, but I, I know that's not, that's not their goal. That's not really what they're trying to do with the show. Yeah. And I still felt like, um, not Tick's dad, but the other, the other Uncle, dad who died. Uncle George. <laughs> yeah. Uncle George. Sorry. You know, like, I mean, I don't know. It just fell flat. He was like, Uncle George died, and that's that. You know? <laughs> like, it yeah. just, I mean, and I, I get it. The show is a little bit more, um, it, it, it's going to be a little bit more unique in its storytelling. So I, I try not to take things too seriously and too literal, because obviously there's some genre things that we're exploring here. There's some adventuring that we're, we're going, the adventure that our characters are going on. So not everything's going to be, you know, super realistic, but there was just some stuff that was left on the table that I just felt like, well, while you guys were going on tangents, you were leaving the main story to suffer. And then there were tangents that just weren't wrapped up either. And I, I don't need things spoon fed to me, but right. at the same time, I just felt like I, I, I just don't understand what we were trying to accomplish. Well, I'll I'll say the number one thing people are like angry about, and I think Misha Green has already talked about how she kind of messed up with it was uh, Uhima. That's the um, mm-hmm. that's the, like trans woman, and I forgot. I think episode she three. was like, intersex. She was two. Yeah. She was a two spirit intersex yeah. person. She wasn't trans. Oh uh, yeah, um, yeah. Well, she gets her throat cut, and basically that's kind of like the end of the story. I mean, that's like a uh, yeah. I forgot about a, that. Yeah, that's kind of like a trope in like films called Kill the Gays or whatever, where you kill like a a queer character or whatever, and and it kind of has no no um relation to the story. Like down. And the then road, why did um why did his dad kill her? I like, told you all my theory. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I felt like it was it was kind of like 
uh, you know, they didn't drive the point home. So it's left for interpretation, obviously. But I, I felt like us finding out the arc of Montrose, you know, like he was he was, you know, he was homosexual. You know what I'm saying? And and I, I felt like he killed her out of just fear of what that, you know, fear of what that was for that person. Like, so you saw what happened when they went back in time to uh, Black Wall Street, to, to Tulsa, and what happened to his lover, you know, that was shot point blank in the head. His and, boyfriend. Um, Jesus, his, you and these words you're choosing. What, oh, his lover bad? <laughs> Were they no, together? But it, it just, it or... kind of, calling him a lover just kind of implies that their relationship is sexual more so than something that um, oh, is emotional. My bad. That's sheer ignorance on my behalf. I wasn't. Well, I didn't. That. I didn't interpret that they were together. I just interpreted he had a he had a little he had a thing for him. Not necessarily that they had they had crossed that line, but. But, but I don't you, know, they like they liked each other. There right. was something. There was there was a there there. But yeah. um, okay. but but the tragedy we, of what happened there. Obviously, yeah. Montrose carried that in his life. Like that was a mm-hmm. very critical point in his life. So to me, now that I've seen that unravel, I feel like what he did to Yahima was sort of a mirrored image. Um, I don't know the right vocabulary for it, but basically, it was it a was, manifestation of that. Yeah, there's a manifestation of that, and there there's you know yeah the. Uh, yeah. So So that, I would say this. That's how that, I, took that. I, I, I completely forgot about that. And I'm glad that Martin brought that up because that would sum up probably the best description of probably the, the one thing that I really didn't like about the show was that it immediately following that episode, it just skipped and went in a completely different direction long enough for me to completely forget that it ever happened. Yeah. You know, like that's the kind of stuff in this show that I kind of didn't feel. I was like, you're jumping around. And then as an audience member, I'm, I'm not necessarily lost, but I'm just, you, I'm just forgetting about these things. And at the end of the day, they were there, they were presented and you got to do something with it. So that to me kind of summed up how I feel like the way that they told this story was they just, they moved around and they placed emphasis in the wrong places and sometimes at the wrong time for me. So. Interesting. See, I, I, I almost, I would almost take what you're saying, and I would interpret that as like the show didn't. I think a lot of times shows or movies, you know, creators kind of assume that their character, assume that their viewer won't get it, or won't, you know, assume that like they have to wrap it up, they have to make it tidy. Whereas like other creators create, assuming that their audience will connect to it and find it the way that they find it, right? Like they don't assume that their audience has no depth. And that's almost yeah. how I interpret what you're saying is, you know, I mean, not trying to take away from how you feel about it, but just my interpretation yeah. of it. My and then, point. I mean, but for the record, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the show. So yeah. I, uh, that my, my opinion, it's not trash by any means, but sure. at the end of the day, I have a thought and opinion. No, 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 no. It's, and it's, and it's valuable, bro. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. I mean, there was like, you know, I'm trying to think of some things for me that didn't really or just just seem sort of like gratuitous or you know had absolutely no uh no reason for it but um I can't coming back to um coming back to Martin's original thought about uh why Misha said that she regretted um the killing of 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 Yehema and you know the I guess um 
I, I don't know if we consider, well, I mean, yeah, they're part of the queer community, but like killing a person from the queer community um, as part of the story um, is very interesting to me, like, especially lifting to Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country Radio, mm-hmm. how woke they supposedly are. Um, and the, 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 one of the writers for the show who's in the writer's room who finds issue with so many things that all these woke people didn't think about the repercussions of, um, you know, an intersex character, which is rarely represented on screen, um, who is also a native woman. And there's very little representation of that through their own lens, like uh, how that would go over with people. I just thought that I just was like, y'all so woke and it was lost on you that maybe you should approach this another way. Mm. It was just really interesting to me. Like, not that I'm the woke police, but you know, right. I think sometimes people, um, you know, they get on the high horse and then it's like, Oh shit, I have a blind spot still. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, which is yeah. a very human thing. I, I think, um, I think she, that writer asked me, Sir Green, like why they're doing this. And she said she wanted to show, um, how oppressed people can impress other oppressed people and i mean sure. i think i think they kind of show that in hippolyta's episode where she talks to george about mm-hmm. how he's kind of been making her small this entire time mm-hmm. and not, not allowing her to um like do what she wants to do Man. how did you how did you react to that particular um i mean you're married to a black woman you the only one here who was in that situation like how did how did you receive that conversation between hippolyta and george oh it, it punched me in the gut man because uh, because because um because i felt her i I've, mm-hmm. I you know I, I felt what she was saying and and i had to it that was probably the episode that made me do the most like in that specific conversation, I'm very glad you brought that up, Martin. That was probably the biggest, like, um, you know, self exploration for me because I had to really, you know, we we watch it together, and that that was a conversation piece for us, and and I had to put on those shoes and say I've absolutely done that in my marriage, you know, um, and and, and um, I'm glad that they addressed it. I'm gl- I'm so glad George responded the way that he responded. I thought that was very endearing and it was a teaching it was a teaching moment for me, right? Like uh you know, I think um default treasy is probably like getting defensive about you know, a statement like that. Like, no, nah, you know, because I'm too busy hung up on what my intentions are or were as opposed to how somebody feels. So even George's reaction to what Hippolyta was saying in that particular moment was a teaching lesson for me, you know, that sometimes it's not about trying to explain your position and it's not about this person telling you, trying to put it on you in a way to where you have to fix it. You're just having a conversation about what it is and they're allowed that space to have that conversation and you can be a a dick and not allow it you know, and, and, and defend against it, or you can aid in the healing of it by just atoning for it, you know, just simply saying, I never intended to do that. And I'm sorry that, you know, I, I'm sorry that I've been that to you. And you're absolutely right. Now that you say it, I have enough wherewithal to say as your partner, I have done that and I'm sorry. So that was a, that was a very beautiful moment for me. Um, you're saying so many you're saying so many things and i'm glad that you had that response and i love that i love the way that he responded to because he did not look like a bitch at all at all at all 
is extremely hey. valid, man. Um, you know, uh, but having said that, I don't think that experience is just, um, you know, I, I think that experience that, that, you know, that goes for men as well. Right. Like there's been places I think where I've gone along to get along and have made myself small for the, for the rest of the world uh, in certain places and believe things about myself just because of assignments that were put on me as opposed to things that I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't see myself as. So not trying to take away the shine from Hippolyta or for black women, but you know, receiving that. And then also saying, damn, like I, I felt like Hippolyta in a lot of different ways as well. She said so much, man. Her episode was, was, it was extremely, was a, a, a hell of a roller coaster that I, that it was very empowering, man. I, as a black woman, like how did that episode make you feel? Um, uh, you know, I hear the, the, the term a lot. I feel seen, you know, like did, did that episode make you feel seen? Um, <laughs> Lots of things in this show make me feel seen. I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily identified um, with her in that particular instance um, as a woman more, so much. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I kind of identified with her in the same way that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, well, I mean, I'm also not married. So mm-hmm. I, you know, my life, I'm the captain over here. <laughs> right, <laughs> so, right. Look, so, look um <laughs> Right. <laughs> Look. Um, so, so, um, I, but I, I mean, there are times when I have like shrank myself to make other people comfortable. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes that's a man, man, sometimes it's a colleague, sometimes it's a family member. It can be, it's an experience that I identify with, but like, you know, having unfettered access to so much of the world. I don't know that I would have chosen to go where she went. Like, I just was like, okay, you want to go be bisexual in France and do coke? That's what's up. <laughs> hey, what? hey, YOLO. <laughs> right. Um, but I also don't know that I would have wanted to go physically fight, like, as, as much as I actually enjoy that in real life. Um, right. And be a warrior. I don't, you know, there's so many other questions that I have about the universe that, um, I don't know, I would have made different mm. choices in her, I think, I guess, you right. know, in, in, in the bullshit world of uh, hypotheticals. But right. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely could identify with her. I just, like you said, you know, and as I'm just reiterating, like I just really appreciated how George responded to her in that moment of vulnerability she was lovingly telling him about himself and he received it in love and reciprocated the love back to her that she needed yeah. and I'm like look at healthy depictions of black marriages on yeah. the screen yeah that shows um, everything I also I went another thing about the episode that I love was like she was a wife and a mother and those things were important to her but like Hippolyta is so smart like mm. none of this could have happened without her and the things that she held on to about herself that she loved, her love of the cosmos, her love for STEM, and her being able to do the math and the science and the physics to even get the orrery to work the way that they needed it to 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 get them to the next step in, yeah. in the journey. So I had lots of appreciation for that episode. Yeah. I, can I just say, I wanted to give you your flowers too when she did go back to, you know, to like the whole warrior, uh, you know, uh, part of the story where, you know, it, it, and she wanted to fight through that and... You know, you kind of gave an explanation of how you always heard the name Hippolyta, like 
you know, what it was in reference to and the whole Wonder Woman thing and the Amazons. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, no, nah, Lizzie hit this one on the head. Like when, when they yeah. saw that part, I, th- I, I, I thought of you in that part. But I love it. Like the Amazon she went to go be with were not, you know, in Greece. They were <laughs> African. <laughs> right. She went right. to go be a Dora Milaje. And I was like, okay, bitch. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> I see you. For real. Martin, if you can name yourself and go back to any time, where you going, man? Uh, I'll probably go in the future. I'm not trying to go go in the past, really. You ain't trying to go backwards. So so what do you want to go to the future to see? I, I just want to see if we become like a um, type two civilization or like a type one civilization if we mm-hmm. last that long. I mean, I I, I don't have great hopes because of climate change. I, I think that's going to take us out like in the next hundred years. But Oh, my God. If, now, if we, remind get... me what a... <laughs> Remind us what a type one or a type two civilization is, because I remember okay, you explained yeah. this before about like harnessing energy. Yeah, so a type one can harness the energy of the sun. So it's like basically everything is solar powered. We we pretty much never have a problem with energy, and we could use that to like go to other planets and start harvesting um, minerals and like elements from other planets, and eventually we spread out to our galaxy. Eventually, we spread out to the universe and maybe even other dimensions. That's if our organic life lives that long enough to um, build that type of technology. But I don't, I don't know if we're gonna get there. Boy, boy how far boy. into the future would you would you expect to see this? Like, where would you go in time? Um, do you think? I think we're about a thousand years away from like a type one civilization. I don't know how how long it'll take to get type two or type three, but a thousand years. Yeah, I think I think we're a thousand years from being able to harvest, harvest like the. How are you doing this math? Yeah, I want you to think about how much. I think technology Michio, has progressed in fifty years. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Michio Kako said it before. I think that's the, oh, okay. uh, like he really said smart. A thousand years. Yeah, he said like a thousand years. But well, you mean if our species even survives that long? Like... Yeah, exactly. If we, I mean, we, and at the same time, we would still have to like be able to work together and not war and not yeah. kill each other. For a thousand well, years, which is which would be really hard. Well, <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to oppose that by saying Joe Biden wants to be green by 2025, man. So you're a thousand years from now, man. I think Biden's working on that. I think two terms of Biden will get us there. And this is we're not definitely not harnessing fully harnessing the sun <laughs> in eight years. You are I'll, tripping. I'll be yeah, I'm, no, no. <laughs> if if we stop driving every car in the country, no, every car in the world, if we stop driving it like right now, global warming will still fuck us up up until like 2035, 2040. It's it's like a train that's like already moving, and nothing can really stop it, especially dealing dealing with humans. So, damn. So we're bro. definitely past the point of. Well, don't even get me started. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, so Corey, where would you go if you had the time? <laughs> man, I I don't know, man. I I I'll I'll be too upset and angry. So yeah. Do you be angry that you have the power to time travel? What the hell kind oh, of person no, are you, like Corey? A, oh, I mean, I'm assuming I I just gotta go one place and stick to it. Nah, know. she got to go like mad places. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I, I I think white people just make me more angrier. So Okay, that was a weird answer. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like I don't. There's nothing, watch... that, there's nothing historical that you'd want to see. Like nothing in the future that you'd want to see. Like well, the future. The future is the future. You know. I mean, I don't know what's gonna happen. I, I'd, I'd love to see where we, if we could finally just stop being stupid 
in the next <laughs> like couple hundred years? Can we actually put our differences aside and actually be like a, a coherent um, society? You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I, I don't like the way human beings act these days, even the ones that that seemingly are acting for good. I, I just I just think I don't know. Do you, you remember at the end of um, The Abyss? When um, he had to convince the aliens not to kill everybody. And, like, I'm like, yo, I, I don't think I could do it. I don't mm. think I could convince them. I'd be like, you know what? I think we suck. So uh, the aliens would just kill us all. That's your elevator so. pitch for the alien for the alien savior? I think we just suck, bro. Like, <laughs> yo, were, they, were they aliens? Yeah. In, I mean, not that this matters, but were they aliens in the abyss or were they just more evolved humans that evolved differently because they were underwater? Yeah. No, it was a whole alien species that was in a ship at the bottom of the ocean. Oh, I thought they found Atlantis. See, I misunderstood that movie completely. And then they took uh, Ed Harris and they was going to bring the giant wave and kill everybody. And he was like, nah, we good. We good people. And then they, the aliens saw his message that it was, that he knew it was a one way trip. And, you know, but honestly, we suck. I'm going to watch that again. You know, yeah. I, I think I think Jeff Bezos is talking to the aliens because he spends a billion dollars a year on space travel. That's like the <laughs> only thing he spends money on for real. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I would I would go as far as to say Elon Musk and uh, Richard Branson are also speaking to the aliens. But <laughs> yeah, um, I like the whole the whole ancestral. Oh, uh, we finally figured out what Hannah said. What Hannah right? saying? I was <laughs> I was way off, by the way, with my lip reading skills. Wait, um, remind everybody what you thought she was saying. Um, oh, let me find it on my notes here. I thought she was saying something like uh let it burn or uh I, I forget exactly. It was something like let it burn or um I forget, man. But whatever whatever I thought she said, it was completely wrong. I don't even remember what she actually said. What did what did she actually say? Like, you're going to save them all, right? No. Mm. That wasn't what she said. Damn, what did she say, man? <laughs> that pisses me off. Nobody's going to look it up. Yeah, I don't know. I can. Yeah. But I I just remember being way off, but um I'm I'm but I'm glad that they came back to it because that would have drove me crazy. Um if they would have never come back to it, but I I like that whole relationship with uh you know that episode with the past you know the back to the future episode is what i'll call it um you know letty having that conversation with with uh tick's uh that i guess that'd be tick's grandmother right the, um no i think that's that's his mother's grandmother so that's like his uh-huh. great great grandmother okay yeah man um that conversation man just the whole idea of uh you know, the ancestors guiding you and, and sacrifice, man. Oh man. That was such a, that was another thing that hit me real hard too. You know, like when, you know, Tick saw his mother and just fell in her lap and cried and was just like, yo, like, I don't want to die. That To me, man, I like, you know, pause. I fell in love with Jonathan majors throughout the course of this whole show, man, just with him as an artist, you know, I think the purity of, how he gets to the core of uh Tick's emotions, man. Uh he he's such an awesome actor, man. And and I know I've been jokingly saying on the on the group chat that I think he has a very old looking face. <laughs> but um uh, but his his he's pure in his craft. 
I think he's very pure in his craft, man. And he has a vulnerability to him that I don't think we get out of a lot of male actors. Um, you know, just this to he he, sw- he switches on so well, man. The, the 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 alpha male, the you know the 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 distressed male, you know the uh, and then the sensitive male, and then the completely vulnerable child male. Like he just, I can't imagine his process of Atticus throughout this entire, and I mean Letty too for that matter. But um, but I'm speaking about Jonathan Majors. The process of him as an actor getting into this character, I'm sure, was one hell of an emotional roller coaster. Um, yeah, he's dope. I think he's he's someone that's really going to make a dent in Hollywood in the next mm. next couple of years. Yeah. And to see him do so much so fast too. So. Would Would you like to see him as James Bond, Corey? I would. Um, he's not British. Uh... <laughs> I, I I don't think he. Well, I, I guess I'm going to answer that is that I, I would love to see a black James Bond. Do I think he would be the the better James Bond? Probably not. But yeah. uh, James you know. Bond's British. He's not going to be American. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. about to say. I th- yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no time soon. That's like. So, I mean, like, I expected more from you even asking that question, Treasy, because like, you know, black people on Facebook that throw out stupid names like Jamie Foxx for James Bond. I'd be like, <laughs> y'all don't understand how any of this works <laughs> there's so many things that i would like to see jonathan majors do he's he's capable of such a huge range that um i agree with Corey. he's gonna go far in the industry i i'm sure that you know post post uh last black man people were like you know knocking on his door and post this like a lot more people are gonna show up to tap him so right yeah um you ever see um the memes of, uh you know those memes that'll be like um like semicolon or not semicolon but yeah and it'll be nothing and then it'll be uh something else it was like nothing Jonathan Majors crying for no reason yeah <laughs> absolutely nobody <laughs> Jonathan Majors crying <laughs> right right he do do a lot yeah. of crying yo I thought I thought a funny a good funny meme that I thought uh I saw was uh they had Letty and then they had Gia and they were like yeah Tick has a type <laughs> yeah or no yeah. no it, it said something <laughs> yeah. like um uh God like when guys say they don't have a type and then they had the picture of Gia yeah and, uh, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny because when you side by side her and Letty they look alike very yeah striking similarities G, uh, uh, Jamie Chung and um and uh Journey Smollett. Journey Smollett, very striking similarities, and obviously I'm I'm pretty sure that was purposeful. Um, you know, them. Um, I know we're getting you know to the end of uh the episode here. Um, how did everybody feel about the way that the the show concluded? Do you feel like it left a lot of room for this story to continue in another season? Because from what I understand, they are like negotiating whether or not another season makes sense. Um, or, or did you did you like it? Like, just how did you feel about it? Uh, man, I, I hope they don't. I hope they don't try to do a season two. I mean, I'm not as smart as the people in this writers room, um, but I'm speaking strictly from just you know uh, a nostalgia standpoint, right? Like, I, I just don't want to see them. I don't even want to see I don't even want the margin of potentially ruining this property to exist. Like I don't even want the conversation. Just think of something new. This particular story's over. Think of something new. Call it something new. Greenlight a whole new show, a whole new cast, and give us the same qualities. That that's that's how I feel about it. 
Um, I I would say there's a lot of hoteps that like hate this show. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's because like the show is definitely about how black women will save you. Mm. I think they show that through like several several episodes that black women will sacrifice too. Um, and with Atticus gone, I think Letty is really the person that they would probably probably base the season around. So I mean, I think that could be interesting as like Atticus kind of being like a way a way to usher in a show the show that they really want to do, which is about black women, I think. So I, I would be down for that. As far as how I thought the show ended, I didn't really understand um, why Dee would like do what she did at the end. I kind of thought that was a little bit out of character. But other than that, I was fine with it. I agree with that. I, it, it remind the viewers what she did. And the viewers, by the viewers, I mean me. Um, <laughs> she she walks up to uh, to Christina, who's like under uh, a bunch of rubble. Right. And then she pulls out her mechanical arm and yeah, she chokes her to death. That's right. The Terminator arm. Yeah, that was, I, I'm with you on that one. I, I remember saying to myself like, oh, this is a, this is a huge change for that character, but I'm I'm riding with it. I like the Terminator, the, the Cyberdyne uh, arm. I mean, well, if you think about it from, from the perspective of what we discussed earlier, that like, you know, this trouble of an angry, violent, violent black woman was chasing her. Um, all you know, it caught her, so it didn't seem out of character to me. What what was funny though, listening back, um, and then you know, <laughs> everyone going, these people are horrible parents. How come they kept leaving Diana by herself in these dumbass situations? <laughs> right, right. That's funny. I I personally am a little torn. Um, I felt like there was a lot of build up to the finale and i and i mean you know we keep being told that christina is trying to do this thing and that tick is gonna die i i guess i don't know maybe the show wasn't playing around when it said all the things that are gonna happen as you just mentioned <laughs> earlier with the the inch of the first scene you know what i mean like literally what was supposed to happen happened so i mean but there was a part of me that I don't know. Maybe I was just a little like, oh, okay. I guess Tick died, you know? Um, I I don't know. I wanted to feel different about that. I wanted so, to feel like there was maybe the chance of hope or, or mm-hmm. something like that. I, I don't really know how I feel about the ending. But I do agree that the the robot arm and the and the the monster, that felt very out of character. I didn't really understand it. I don't understand where that came from or why and where'd she get the damn arm. Um, I don't know. It it just, it, it felt really flat to me. And, and in a way, it felt lazy. I, 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 there was just an aspect of it that felt lazy. And I don't know. There's a part of me that agrees with Treasy. Like, I would love to see a different season with different characters. Um, but there's another part of me that says, um, I feel like you owe me. I feel like the, the creators of the show owe me some form of continuation. Like, I, I just want to see something else. Like, I don't feel I'm done with these characters. So, mm. and, and, and sometimes that's an okay feeling. I'm not mad at that feeling sometimes. Um, but this show has been very strange in about how it does it. So. Okay. I think, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. That, I mean, that pretty much echoes how you, how you said you felt about it throughout the entire duration yeah. of watching it anyway. So, um, 
How, how about you, Lizzie? Um, to kind of echo what Corey said, I felt like um, that I had some hope that maybe he would live. Thinking about how they explain the um, the differences in the novel and um, how the the television show were set up, I was thinking, well, maybe him dying is one of the things that his son changed in the story. Um, mm. And, you know, because they kept telling us he was going to die, but right, it was wrong. You, you kind of thought they were maybe trying to misdirect us. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. My, that's what my wife thought, too. She was like, um, you know, I, I bet you he doesn't, you know, he doesn't die. And I got to thinking, like, if they're trying to misdirect us, they're probably going to let him die. You know, um, you know, letting letting the explanation of what happens serve as our comfort uh, and sort of the foreshadowing to, you know, what the future of the uh, of the Freemans is, you know. The, uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, he, he, hmm. he definitely, you know. Did the thing that black men are not given enough credit for doing, he 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 knew that that he was going to have to put himself in danger to save everybody else that he loved. He shouldered that like a man. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's a noble depiction. Um, I mean, it's not something we want anyone to have to do, but to Mm -hmm. show like, you know, black men care about their families, black men care about their loved ones and black men are willing to sacrifice to make sure that other people in our community are good. So, um, you know, to Martin's point that, you know, this show does show you that like black women will save you. Like, you know, the -hmm. black man didn't do too shabby himself. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah. And and, and I think specifically, I mean, biologically makes sense, right? Like, like not only will they save them, but save them, you know, physically, but like even, you know, with with Letty carrying their son, she's saving the lineage of the family as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, biologically, I think that's just very true, and and which makes you know women in general very valuable. Is uh, uh, you know, the future passes through them, through y'all. Mm. So, uh, uh, I, I tell you, man, I think an unintended. I don't think this was any sort of. I, I don't know if anybody else came to this conclusion, but. Um, one of my takeaways from this entire series is just about embracing mortality um, and, and, and mortality being sort of like a key to real, to, to true evolution. Um, you know, especially with the Braithwaite, you know, with like um, Christina, you know, and, and Samuel Braithwaite just being so like the whole sons of Adam just being very obsessed with this idea, this idea of immortality. Um, I, I, I think th- there's just a strength in mortality that I think Im- immortality, you know, like if you live forever, there's no sense of urgency to live, you know what mm, I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and if there's no sense of urgency to live, there's no progression. Uh, and, and I think the key to progression is mortality. That's kind of what I found myself really thinking about, uh, when I finished this show entirely that coupled with, I went back and listened to, I know this is completely wild. I went back and listened to Kendrick Lamar's to pimp a book, uh, to pimp a book. Wow. I can't talk to pimp a butterfly album. And I felt like it was sort of the same messaging. Um, two totally different properties. They don't, you know, that to pimp a butterfly doesn't deal with magic and all that stuff, but just the idea of mortality being this thing that sort of saves culture that saves people, um, you know, refreshing the players with 
maybe the same substance, different mindset to think about how to salvage it, you know, how to make it better, how to make existence better. And you just can't do that with old mindsets. So, uh, and, and to me, that's what immortality was in this is just that old, you know, e even just to go political, the whole make America great again, you know, this trope of going back to what it once was, um, is, is somewhat a derivative of immortality, I guess sort of a thing that it would, that immortality would intersect with um, living through past and bringing past values to the future. Um, so anyway, they, that, that was kind of something I took away from this entire show. Um, but that's saying a mouthful and we've said a mouthful this entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, overall, man, I, you know, I, I, I love the show, man. And, 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 I'd be interested in hearing what some of our viewers really took from this man, because there's, there's just so many things that this show addresses. We'd have to do probably like a 10 part podcast just to even get them all on the table. And that might not even right. be enough. So, so obviously we're leaving a lot of dice. We're leaving a lot of money on the table as the hustlers would say. Um, and, and, and I'm okay with that. And I'm pretty sure Lizzie is cause I know she likes to keep episodes tight. <laughs> it's and, the uh, feedback that our listeners give me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Corey ain't trying to go back to the past, so I know he wants to he wants to get on to the future, him and Martin. And the future is uh, a bed for me. So <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that's it, man. I think we're gonna drop you guys off on this journey with Lovecraft Country here. Uh if you haven't watched it, sorry, we probably spoiled it for you. Um uh, and if you did and you like the content that you heard in this episode, uh, pick up your phone, jump on that Instagram or jump on that Facebook and follow us at Kinda, K-I-N-D-A, Movie Critics. And on, on Twitter at Kinda Movie Crits, C-R-I-T-S. And I think that's that, man. Uh, remember, we call ourselves Kinda Movie Critics because we kind of are and we're kind of not. Just a bunch of people that like to watch movies. This has been an On Ear Network production.